This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 21st, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. What can U.S. states and the feds do to avoid being the next Greece? Jeffrey Myron, senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of the new book, Libertarianism from A to Z, offers a few bits of advice. For Greece to have avoided the problems, it would have had to have made different decisions going back decades because policies have been in place for a long time that created tons of civil service employment, that create generous health and retirement benefits, that are very protective of various industries, that generally promote an inefficient economy. So high expenditure... A uh, tax system that's very badly run, that has incredible incentives for people to cheat, uh, a huge amount of non-productive employment in the public sector, and lots of rules that make the private sector inefficient. Well, you're guaranteed you're not going to produce a lot of GDP. You have a ton of expenditure, no tax revenue. You're going to have big budget deficits and, and a huge debt. So that's exactly what's happened. So they would have needed to behave differently for decades in order to have avoided this. It's been, the cake has been in the oven for quite some time. The defense then that could be offered for Greece is, well, then they couldn't have seen this coming. Well, I think they could have seen it coming. I mean, we know you know when you have a lot of people employed in the public sector sitting around doing nothing, that they're not producing a lot of real GDP. They're measured as producing GDP because the way we do the national accounts is we value their control contribution is whatever we pay them. But if they're just sitting at a desk not doing anything, that's just a fiction. It could have been foreseen in the sense that uh, if you have a retirement age, which you get full eligibility for retirement benefits at age 53, then the number of people in the labor force relative to the population is going to be small. So you've got a lot of people collecting retirement benefits compared to the number of people who are still working paying taxes to provide those benefits. So that's totally predictable. Now, the worldwide financial crisis that happened 2008, 2009, was not totally predictable. That certainly was a surprise to most people. So that made things you know, happen faster okay, and made it worse, but that's only a small part of why they're facing this situation. And a downturn in general, one can predict within 10 years generally. That's right. A lot of forecasts, a lot of projections assume that, well, once we get out of recession, then we're going to grow at the historical rate forever. But that's completely silly. The projection should take account of the fact that we're going to have a certain frequency of downturns because we've always had a certain frequency of downturns. It, would, you know, it won't necessarily be right, but it's probably a more accurate way to, to forecast the long term. You talk about people retiring at 53 uh, my mind immediately goes to state governments in the United States who have a, a lot of a lot of state workers whose benefits are gold plated. These benefits simply do not exist in the private sector in America today. The generosity of benefits in many aspects of the public sector is well above what private sector workers get. Okay, there are situations where people can work for 20, 25 years, in some cases at jobs. They started at age 20, 22. So when they're in mid-40s, late 40s, or 50, they're eligible for full retirement packages and are not prevented from leaving those jobs and working additional jobs. So it's an extremely generous situation. It is not what the marketplace seems to provide when there's competition in terms of compensation for people with those level of skills and education and training. And so it's completely unsustainable. And as with Greece, a lot of that's already baked in the cake. We have all of these civil service employees at the state level who are going to be retiring over the next 10, 20, 30 years. So even if states clean up their acts now, they still are on the hook for a very generous medical and retirement benefits for their state employees. Rating agencies have only recently begun to look at states that have these pension systems and said, 
you know, maybe we should uh, consider this when we rate uh, securities that are issued by these states, because at some point in a fiscal triage scenario, the state debt holders may actually be behind pensioners in line to get their money. Right. So, I mean, absolutely, the rating agencies should take a look at it. One would hope that all the hoopla and all the criticism of rating agencies that we got from the financial crisis will energize them to look at that more carefully, as they did seem to have looked more carefully at the sovereign debt of Greece and Spain and Portugal uh, in the last few weeks. What was sort of entertaining about that was as soon as they came out and downgraded Spanish Spanish and Portuguese debt, they got tons of criticism from various European officials saying they were being overly harsh, overly pessimistic. How dare they sort of question whether people might be paying back on their debt? But of course, the rating agencies got exactly the opposite criticism of the financial crisis for not having been sufficiently careful and not having pointed out problems that you know probably were there if, if people had been looking for them uh, in, a, in a consistent way. So what is the lesson for state policymakers and U.S. policymakers when it comes to uh, thinking about their debt, their obligations going forward, looking at what uh, has occurred in Greece recently? Well, I think the lesson is that you need to do, first of all, very forward-looking accounting. You need to recognize that even if your budget is balanced today, that doesn't mean that the fiscal situation is okay because all of these government entities, whether it's state governments, sovereign governments like in Europe or the U.S. as a whole, have in place policies which promise a stream of benefits to be paid out to existing and future retirees over a long, long period of time. And so it's taking account of the whole stream of payments we've promised relative to the stream of likely tax revenues associated with that. And so if you do the long-term projections, you will see in virtually every case, the numbers don't add up. Either taxes have to go up or benefits have to come down. If you raise taxes, of course, you slow the economy because taxes distort incentives. And so that makes it even tougher to generate enough tax revenue. So the only really sensible way is to cut benefits. Okay, that gives you a direct effect because you're paying out less. And an indirect effect is that many benefit cuts will improve incentives, will energize energize people to work harder to replace the benefits that they've lost. And then you get a more productive economy, more GDP, and so more tax revenue with a given tax rate. One other problem here is that it is governments that must engage in these long-term projections. And up until now, many governments that have done these long-term projections perhaps don't have as strong an interest in accurate, uh, credible information uh, that we than we might hope. It's absolutely right that governments and politicians tend to focus on the short term, the medium term. That makes sense because that's their horizon. Their horizon is getting reelected, and so I think blaming politicians is is fun. <laughs> it's tempting. But we also need to think more broadly. We need to blame ourselves. We need to ask whether the voters are systematically trying to hold politicians accountable and being willing to say, look, there is no free lunch. There is no solution in the sense of fixing these deficits with no pain. We have to look forward ourselves and recognize that something's got to give and somebody's not going to like it. And then society is going to make choices about who actually pays for the excessive consumption that we've had in the past. Jeffrey Myron is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of the new book, Libertarianism from A to Z. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.